Welcome to this next panel. We're here to talk about the intersection of Web3 and sports with some of you know, the best people around to talk about that. We've got Baron Davis, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Solo Sisi. We're really going to hopefully dive into the opportunity here to get athletes and creators of all types into Web3 and to feature the opportunity for them. So Spencer, you know, you're big into Galaxy, of course. Yeah. Tell us about what Galaxy is doing for athletes and creators in the Web3 space. So Galaxy kind of is broken into two parts. You know, the app itself and also the protocol, the, the foundational layer that we want other apps that, that promote creators to build upon. In terms of our app specifically, you know, we, we look at the market nowadays with the OnlyFans, the cameos. There's a lot of ways to monetize Instagram, et cetera. But obviously, they take a big cut. We try to reduce those fees. We also try to bring some of those interactions to Web3 as well, create a decentralized structure, and start to move it forward. And once there's dynamic token models, you'll be able to trade a, a Baron for a Spencer for a Solo. And in an apples-to-apples format, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And when did you get into this? So what? When, when did you get into Web3? I mean, I've been following for a while, um, back to the, the contract tokenization. Yeah, 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 we don't need yeah. to talk about that, though. Yeah, no, uh, so, you know, back in, like, 2017, 2018 is when I got in as a personal investor, Vegas gambling money, got into Bitcoin, rise, fall, all that. Didn't get rich at that point in time, unfortunately. But, yeah, I mean, that, that started a learning process. I started my contract tokenization model with, with Solo, who was on Wall Street at the time of a city bank, and it's just continued to grow from there. Do you think that NBA Top Shot was an accelerant in the league to get people who are Web3 and aware of NFTs? For sure, for sure. Dapper Labs had a certain amount of credibility because they uh, did CryptoKitties, which obviously crashed Ethereum, uh, I think it was what, 20... Something huge. That was like the first yeah, it was big something like that. NFT. Exactly, the first big NFT. So they had a certain credibility there. Um, being a guy that was talking about crypto for a second already and kind of being the crazy kid and then being partnered with Dapper Labs and now with the NBA endorsement and their model, with Top Shot, as opposed to them fighting me on their contract tokenization, then guys had a lot more uh, safety and security knowing that they could get into Web3 without potentially having any repercussions. And Baron, how are you approaching all this? Our approach is build community, community utility. And so more than us, you know, we wanted to create a superpower team of people who had like extraordinary talent. Mm -hmm. Web design, Web3 design, metaverse experience design, and build out a platform where we could ultimately as a collective help people launch their projects to success and our our mandate and what we live by is people of color and women right and that's what we believe is going to be like the ultimate denominator is when culture comes over to web3 so we want to be the firm that allows us to work with the sony to allows us to work with the nba or the pa and actually build out the environments and think about community and think about destination. And I think that's our primary focus, you know, with More Than Us is take this collective approach and think about those two things and, and, and build value with that. And what's your pitch for those communities? How do you explain to them that this is a huge opportunity? It's more than us. <laughs> I mean, it's about 40 of us, you know, out here in the audience now. And the thought was, you know, we're all equal. We're all entrepreneurs and we're all doing something different, right? And so if we can start to connect the dots and operate as a toolkit, then it's easy to accept somebody who has complementary skills, complementary talent. And so our job is to really just identify people, 
gather a network and say, all right, who's next? Who's coming you know, after that? And how do we amplify and provide the different tools in our tool shed? And Solo, tell us a little bit more about Galaxy and how you're working with Spencer to bring that to the fore. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you think about the way in which creators monetize in Web3, it's still this sort of disjointed user experience that makes it very tough for you know, mass adoption, right? Mm -hmm. Or at least in terms of the creator economy. You have to be a very forward-thinking individual like you know, these two guys here to really dive into the space and you gotta learn a lot to use the technology. And some of the best technologies in the world are things that you don't have to learn anything about to use. And so when you think about Galaxy and what it's designed to do, it's that necessary application layer that makes it really easy for a creator to create a cryptographic asset of some sort. So whether it's an NFT, whether it's a social token, it's that easy on-ramp into the space that currently doesn't exist. And I think it's, you know, when you think about Web3 and all these different things, it's about finding the perfect amount of decentralization in order for there to be like one comfort from a security level, but then also practical use, right? And so like when you think about general blockchains, it's about you know, speed, transparency, security, decentralization. These are all sort of variables that you have to slide one way or the other to get to your perfect fit. And like Galaxy is trying to provide that sort of you know, easy on-ramp that's familiar to Web2 users, like those social media apps that he mentioned before. So that's, that's a little bit about what Galaxy does. That's and then cool. on that top, go on. No, I said that was super cool. Like, I, because when you think about what, what you were saying, like, Web3 is like, we don't know what it is, right? You know, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like how, do, how the hell do you get there? Which route do you take? What's a, There's what's no a map mask? for it, right? <laughs> but if you can, you know, if, if the, it's the experience, right? And, and what you guys are building is just something to press a button, exactly. create tools, and then distribute your shit. And I think a lot of times, you know, uh, we're, we're the ones that people don't listen to. Yeah. Right? Sure. And it's like, we, we want to oversimplify our experience because I would honestly say I'm not like technically savvy. You know yeah. what I mean? I want, I want to push a button. I want to be able to distribute content. Sure. I want to be able to swipe or swap an NFT. And I don't want to have to have this full on education, exactly. right? And this workshop to and buy an NFT. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, to that, to that point. <laughs> yeah. Not to that point. I mean, when we were sitting down creating it, it was two guys that kind of sat at the intersection of the entertainment industry and uh, blockchain. So we were enthusiasts, of course, but as, obviously him being a deep former D1 athlete, uh, football at Penn, and then myself being in the NBA, we understood our peers. Didn't want to do the, you know, 12 key passphrases and, you know, write them down and put in a safe and, yep. you know, throw the safe in the ocean and with the coordinates, like you can't, they don't want to do all that. They just want to get on their phone and say, okay, this is my NFT. Hey, if I want to trade a, you know, board ape with you, then that's how we're going to do it and bang. And it's just, like you said, with a swipe yep. of the button. For, for Coindesk, we're really experimenting with social tokens ourselves now. And I'm finding how difficult it is to have a successful project because of those, like, you need to have for mass adoption, a platform that's easy to use and very, you don't have to think about it. You know, I don't want to go to MetaMask, like integrate Polygon, and then uh, add the smart, the smart contract address, and then for the NFT, do it again, just so I can see how much desk I have. Exactly. I got to be able to just download the app, maybe put in a password, save it to whatever, and bing, bang, boom, now I have my desk toy. Well, I think it's on us to define the standards for that, right? Like us philosophically, right? Like everybody in this room, like, we have such great technology at our fingertips, but it's largely inaccessible to a large amount of people, right? And it's on us to try and find a way to define those standards. And I think when you think about Web3, there's like 
Now, two groups of people, there's like early adopters that kind of know everything. They might be a little jaded individuals because they were told they were crazy. No offense. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> hey, that is true. I called him crazy too, but like you know, back in 2016, 15, hey, whatever. Is, it was a long right? time ago. So. They're a bit jaded, so they, they want to they be like, I know this and I'm right. Look at me. I have a board ape. It's worth XYZ money. Like, boohoo on you, right? That's kind of like a little bit of that. But like in the other side of it too, there's like a lot of people that are very curious about the technology, but don't have the the savviness or the ability to learn about it because it's not easy easily learned. Mm -hmm. And right, so like if you think about it, and I always use this analogy, and people are probably tired of it, but like if driving a car is difficult, a lot more people will be walking. Right, yeah. like if you had to pick up a manual, it was like flying a plane. Yeah, like you yeah. know what I mean. Like a yeah. lot more people will be walking, but like the beauty of a car is you turn the key and you just go. Right, that's where Web3 and any great technology really yeah. needs to go. And so a social token, like what is it, why should creators be thinking about how to actually use it or build one or launch one? I would say the power of a social token lies in just pure ownership and freedom to do whatever it is you want with it. It's a way to create an economy within your own community. And you are the one that set up the rules in your own economy. And so I think it's honestly the best community building tool that no one's talking about, right? Like people are talking about NFTs and they create this sort of community. Mm -hmm. But like when you think about like your own digital currency uh, that can power your own economy and like, you know, there could be frameworks like application layers that show up as means to like you buy the social token, which is good for XYZ experiences that are built into this app. Or, you know, you could have a more hands-on approach where you build the use cases that make sense for your social token. But the point is, it's really about finding a way to connect with your fans in a way that makes sense. Like, he's an NBA player, you know, former NBA player, does a lot of great stuff. You know, like, they might interact with somebody very differently than an NFL player, a TikToker, you know what I mean? Like, being able to find a way to create uh, an asset that could allow you to interact with your fans in the use cases that make sense. And I think on top, oh, sorry. And I was just going to say, I think on top of that, uh, being an NBA, we've known about the power of community for a while, right? I think social media now, uh, Web3 is going to take it to a different level where the masses may. But how many times when you were playing, did a guy make an all-star team that, like, maybe shouldn't oh have made an all-star team, yeah. but he had, you know, all yeah, of the Yugoslavia. Yeah. You know yeah, like, yeah. like, community's a big thing. It's, it's what, what sells jerseys, what puts butts in seats. Like, you know what I'm saying? Some of this, it, a lot of it's merit-based. I'm not sitting here calling anybody an NBA week or anything, but community is a, is a big driving force in, in terms of just building revenue and, and, and making money. So... Yeah, and, and fandom, I think, you know, with the social token, it gives you an opportunity to organize, yeah. you know what I mean, your community. And so, you know, for the new age of athlete, these athletes are hyphenates, right? And so you look at certain fans, they only want you to play basketball. Yeah. Certain fans love you for your business. Yeah. Certain fans love you for your creativity. And so I think there's an opportunity where... In our generation, right, in our era, it was just like, oh, you got fans. It was like, where the fuck are they? And it was like, oh, I'm your fan. It was like, no, you're not. Are you really? Like, I've never been on, I've never been on TV before. Everybody's on TV, and, like, you have all these fans, but you still don't know them. Yeah. Right? And I think the social token allows for, like, this direct-to-fan you know, direct approach to say, hey, I'm going to do this. You guys are allowed to be here. After the game, I'm doing my own meet and greet. Yeah. You know, I'm launching my shoe. You guys, you all are, you know, first movers and get gifted the first, you know, sneaker. So it, it, it puts the power and the publishing rights back into the creator's hands, which I, which I love and I love what you guys are doing with that.
And I think that, you know, I'm looking at the, the, the big four in the U.S., the big four leagues. Who's out on front? Obviously, it's the NBA, for sure, in the Web3 space. But do you guys have any per perception of where the other sports leagues are uh, on this curve at the moment? How far behind they are? Let them stay far behind. I mean, for me, I would say let them stay far behind. Our goal is to, uh, you know, we want to build uh, a metaverse, a Louvre. Uh, it's called History of the Game. And so uh, our mentality was everybody who played in the NBA, blood, sweat, and tears should be honored in the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Fame experience. And so our goal was to create a storytelling museum around not just basketball, but your hyphenate, yeah. your culture, right? And allow Web3 to have their tentacles in as far as, you know, from a collaboration standpoint. So NFL, MLB, uh, I think for us, it's really like, the slower they move, the better for, the better for more than us. Yeah. Um, but, they, you know, I think that they, sports has utilities. Sports is probably outside of, like, music or, and entertainment. But sports has the best utility because the invaluable, you know, approach of an interaction between a fan and their favorite yeah. player. Like, that you, can't really, yeah, you can't pay for that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think on, on our front... Uh, Leagues are, the other leagues are definitely a little bit behind the NBA, but just in speaking with Dapper, as we both kind of do, just being kind of tied in, I don't think they're as far behind as, like, some may think. That's a nugget for the fans that we can't necessarily speak about, but I don't think they're, they're behind, but not, not as far. It's not hard to, it's not hard for them to catch up because, exactly. you know, in our space is uh, sports, everybody copycats. Exactly. But once a model is figured out or a trend is figured out, you watch every team, every league is just really like a copycat business, which makes it good for us as entrepreneurs because we get to find the potholes. Yeah, and you know, and you know where it's going. Yeah. So when it's the leagues catching up, though, that's not necessarily going to be the same as the individual players monetizing uh, for their opportunities, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the players, I think the players, the players are the league. We always say that the players make up the league. Uh, the players have the stories. The players, you know, have the moments. Hey, man, right? I still play now. I don't want to get, yeah, get in trouble. Maybe I got a collective bargaining agreement coming up. <laughs> it's leverage. <laughs> but no, the players, the players are the most important part. And whether it's the legacy guys to, you know, the current players, I think that, you know, the opportunity for entrepreneurship and then the players to extend their brand and also connect a legacy is going to be extremely important in this space. And then also for like basketball players moving forward. I mean, I think when you think about the modern creator as a whole, like obviously this is focused on sports, but like the cat's out the bag, like the secret's out. Like the way in which creators monetize themselves is inequitable based off traditional forms of social media. Like everyone knows that. So I think when you think about the modern player, in the way in which, if you talk to any person, uh, like the ways in which they think about the way they diversify their income are like probably, you know, astronomically more than they were 20 years ago. Um, and so I think when you think about that at a, at a high level, you know, that there's that dynamic to it that's changed a lot. Um, so I'd say from the player side, like people, you know, when you take Web3, that turns into a little bit of a different conversation because I still think there's an education barrier and there aren't that many great use cases to point to 
for somebody that hasn't ever been to Coindesk.com, mm -hmm. right? And so I think you're still, we're still in the early days at that point, but I do think the mindset is there. Um, it's really gotta be on all of us here at these conferences or anybody in Web3 uh, to help kind of, you know, meet them where they're at. And then, you know, for, for Coindesk.com, one of the issues that we have is, you know, our, the interest that people have in us is very dependent on the price, the price of Bitcoin, the price of Ether, the price of assets, because that's what people, at the end of the day, are the most excited about on a broad scale. There's going to be, and there always will be, that core group that always is hungry for it, but we see, you know, with our traffic, when the price is higher, when the traffic's higher, when the price is lower, when the, well, while the price is going lower, the traffic's higher, but then, once it's low for a while, you know, that's, people lose interest. How do you make sure, Spencer, that uh, players and athletes and creators aren't losing interest when, you know, the, the sparkly headlines about the price of Bitcoin, which doesn't really have to do yeah. with a social token, but it does have to do with the narrative around crypto. Like, how do you make sure people don't get turned off by that? Well, I, I think to your point, right, when we talk about like a platform like Galaxy and we talk about social tokens and we talk about the building of community, that's not tied to Bitcoin, right? Now that is Web3 and, and there's uh, a certain amount of enthusiasm and education that comes with being on our platform that inherently benefits the entire industry, right? Um, we, we're all human beings, right? Like there's, there's fight or flight, there's a certain level of greed, you know what I'm saying? We all want food, water, shelter, like so of course when Bitcoin goes up, like why wouldn't we be happy? We're all relatively early adopters. I mean, even if you just bought it yesterday, you're pretty much still an early adopter. So when it goes up, you're gonna have that euphoric feeling. But that's where that, that separation occurs and how you get people of influence into the space, untethered to Bitcoin, so they can keep driving the space and, and the community involved in it without it just being based on the fact of whether you know Bitcoin's down or up. And you know, then when you start having other products that uh, how, how they're investing in those things becoming public as well because obviously they're going to make money in a social token type environment so where are they making money where are they saving money doing things like that then you all start pushing other assets um as well outside of bitcoin outside of just general market sentiment whether it's a bearable market i would say on that side too though i i also think the problem is the the justification or like the pool to web3 has been the trading aspect of it like utility has never really been something that's been a well widely talked about item within like like in terms of like mass audiences right when they think about web3 they think about what's the price of bitcoin that's the first thing that yeah. people probably think about they don't think about the utility they don't think about the practical use of it they don't think about the idea that like you know if i wanted to send you a large sum of money right now i'd be reliant on a central banking system that can be compromised depending on where i am in the world and I think it's also exacerbated by the fact that in the developed world, you don't have to think about these things because usually they're not as much of, you know, risks, right? Like oh. my family came from West Africa and the banking system is very different in some different parts of the world to the point where you can very clearly see the value proposition of blockchain, right? And so I think once people start thinking about the utility or even utility, not from like security. a practical use, but security, but then also community, yeah. which is also utility, I think people will start to look like, oh, I can get involved in Web3 with different, you know, uh, different, different, uh, like, objectives or, yeah. you know, purpose. And I would just piggyback off that and say it's, it's going to be the experience, right? It's all about the experience. If you think about, I look at, you know, Bitcoin and all that, like going to the casino, you know, I'm going to gamble. And, you know, it's like 
If I win, we up, you know, we party and we celebrate. If I lose, I feel like I'm hurt, you know? And, and so when you go to casino, it's that. like, it's the rush, but you're going to feel something mm -hmm. when you walk out of there. And it's going to be predicated on how much you make, how much you lose. You go to Disneyland, right? You spend $2,000, <laughs> you have the best time of your life, yeah. right? And so I think, for us, it's the, it's the experience that is going to retain because as you keep talking about the, the invaluable experiences, the opportunities that a social token will have, you know, the fans are not worried about volatility. Yeah. They're worried about the next event, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Or the next ticket or the next merch drop. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, Web3 is going to eventually start moving and that's where we want, you know, I mean, that, that's where our space allows us to move instead of playing in this like, hey, come over here, make a lot of money, lose a lot of money. You know, we have something to give, right, that has more value than the actual price of the token. When volatility is tied to literally like, if it's viewed as an expression of like time or scarcity versus just price like value, mm -hmm. it's gonna be very different, right? Like if your social token gets incrementally expensive because people want it, it's, it's gonna be a lot easier for a creator to monetize their time efficiently yeah. versus like, you know, if you don't have, if it's just a fiat world and, you know, somebody wants to interact with you in the application, like dynamically priced tokens are helpful because then yeah. it's like incrementally more expensive to have this time with this person. If people thought about it more like that versus like, I'm investing in this because it goes up and down, you know, that's gonna be the different. And then the last part of it too is like, when you think about the people that own crypto in like in like the sort of like early and later majority buckets of people they only own like a couple hundred dollars that type of stuff and they viewed it as like quick or a way to make money so when it goes the opposite way they're probably going to react a lot differently than someone that actually understands the, the premise of the technology so what is it about like crypto tokens blockchain all this decentralized shit what is it about all that that has sparked this movement for a creator economy that other technologies hadn't done. Like it, was, what it wasn't that. It wasn't that. Social media is what sparked this. You know what I mean? Like, you, you look across the board, you got people that are silent on YouTube making $2 million. You got females doing their thing, making a bunch of money, right? And you, you, you know, like it's. Listen, like, we, we see the headlines, right? Like, didn't some woman make, like, a million dollars in, like, 24 hours? Like, when you hear that, like, that's, that's hard to turn away from. Again, when we talk about basic human needs and, and, and things that are just going to spark our interest immediately, greed is, is one of them, for sure. And, and if we look at average income, what is it, like, $50,000? you telling me somebody made, what, 20 years worth of your, your, your job in 24 hours just saying, hey, I'm on this platform on the Internet? You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's crazy. So in looking at how to make it more efficient and take it to the next level and realizing that all you're really doing is capitalizing on your specific community, that's where Web3, social tokens, all that other stuff has a place. But we didn't, we didn't create this movement, like, at all. Like, this is, this is social media and the internet, you know what I'm saying, that, that's been building this thing. You know what I mean? So, and, and again, to even take it back even further, we've all heard the saying when we were kids, it takes a village to raise a child. So community has been a thing in human nature and, you know what I'm saying, throughout human history. So it's just how we're effectively capitalizing that using the technology at hand. We, we're just doing the best in Web3.
so then the innovation of Web3 is making it more direct, yeah, changing the power. We, we saw it with the e-commerce business, right? When it went direct to consumer and people started to be able to, uh, you know, with drop shipping and things of that nature, and you, it started to become easier and easier. Um, you didn't have to, your, your, your MOQs came down when you were ordering things. You didn't have to order 5,000. Now you could, you know, maybe uh, 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 ship, uh, ship as, you, uh, as they order, right? Like all those yeah. things. So we, we continue, the technology continue to evolve and, and change each uh, different sector. It's just that when we're talking about, excuse me, the entertainment industry, and we're talking about being in the NBA, like that, that's one demographic. And so we're using Web3 to make that a more seamless product in general. Yeah, and then when you look at the overall aspect of entertainment and the entertainment business, it's like what gains more value, you know, as more people fail, Hollywood. What gains more value as more people fail, music. When you think about how do the, why do people fail, bad loans, right? And so when you think about, you know, let's say you don't get a record deal, right? Yeah. You put $250,000, right, into your music career or your film, and Hollywood has been waiting for you to do that, so you fail, right? And so for us, I think for Web3, it gives us the opportunity to give good loans. For sure, that's right. true. And for, for that sure. artist to actually own their stuff, to have the right people collaborate, have the deals work in the right capacity, and now there's not like a bottomless pit or like vague wish fulfillment that you are going to be successful. You can be successful now making a $20,000 film for your audience because that's your community. Exactly. You know what I mean? So there's no... There's no real, like, fail. There's no, there's no failure when you are connecting to the people that are supporting you anyway. Now you have the ability to grow, or that film to grow, to reach, you know, uh, maximum capacity. But, you know, social media, media, everybody, Spotify, YouTube, we have to make, we have to produce our own shit and put it on their distribution. And then we got to get 100,000 views to pay half the amount of money yeah. back to us yeah. that we're paying in production. And so now the creator can actually put money into themselves, have their community join in in that, and then you can fulfill you know, all the things that you want to do as really like a collaborative community team effort. Now, what happens to say an athlete with a social token? Their, their career as an athlete's not forever. And you know the, the production of the value for the community is more contingent upon that career than, let's say, an artist who can create music or artwork throughout their life. I'm just wondering what happens to an athlete's social token or that community, and there's no right answer here, but after they retire, how do they carry that value forward even after they're off the court? I actually have a good answer for that, just because of the fact that when you think about athletes and stuff, they can do a lot of other things. I would argue the Pat McAfee token is probably worth more now than it was when he was playing, right? Like, so I think it's your job as somebody that issues or originated exactly. an asset like that to continue to give back to your community. And it's not, it's not like a, it's your fault thing, but it's more like there are a lot of avenues for you to do different things and your community will change over time. And yeah. that's the beauty of like frictionless transfer of assets, right? Like it will exchange hands from people that found utility because you were an NBA player or you were an NFL player to now that you host a popular podcast where you talk a lot of stuff, right? Um, so I think from that perspective, 
um, it's really on the creator's job to like grow, mature over time, and nourish their community for their own benefit, and they have 100% incentive to do so. Because like Baron was saying, like if you think about traditional social media, the model is so skewed towards the companies and the brands that they serve, and they view the users and the creators as traffic mm -hmm. uh, to leverage that into revenue for them. So it's about finding ways to carry that value forward, even after it's the original proposition might not. You still got to put out good yeah, music athletes, if you're an artist, yeah. right? Athletes are high fans, you know, and, and I think that, you know, sports is one thing, what we do, what we, what we play, but we're also investors, creators, business people, and so that social token, to your point, you know, it will gain more value. Look at someone like a Kendrick Perkins, right, yeah. who's had, you know, an incredible career uh, in sports media, and, like, I would say I would buy Kendrick Perkins' token, and it, it would probably have more levity than it did when he was, you know, playing center for well, in, in, the, in the finals. Last half. Yeah, because he was pretty buns on the last half. Yeah. <laughs> Solid plan. OG knows he had, he had his time. He was solid. Great. Well, thank you guys for uh, speaking with us today. It's been a fascinating journey into sports and Web3.